we are witnesses to how God has moved in this journey. How through the detours, through the chaos, it's changing us. No one said this would be easy. We can't stop now. It's time. Time for daring, for endurance. We have been called to act, to go for our neighbors, our community, the generations to come, to take the wheel and forge on. It's time for the next leg of the journey. It's time to put in the hard work. So get in. We are going places. It's go time. <laughs> All right. Well, good morning, everybody. How we doing? You guys feeling good? Good. Awesome. Great to see you. How'd you guys sleep last night? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. Yeah, okay. Guess you don't really care. Uh, so it's good to see you guys here. Uh, like Tracy just said a minute ago, welcome to all of you who are in the room uh, with us here at the Manatees campus. Those of you guys who are watching on live stream, very thankful to have you here. And uh, Tracy just mentioned a moment ago, next week here at our campus, we're starting a brand new series in the book of First Thessalonians. And so we're really excited about that. It's going to be good just to be able to uh, kind of journey through a New Testament book of the Bible, chapter by chapter. It's going to be a five-week series that starts next week. So we're very excited about that. But this week, we actually want to do something kind of unique. As you could tell from the video that we just watched, what we want to do this week is we actually want to take this singular weekend, it's kind of a standalone weekend, to actually hearken back to something that we started talking about together uh, six months ago that we call It's Go Time. It's Go Time. So if you're someone who is new to the Medina East Campus, or if you're someone who's just been coming over the past few weeks, or it's your first time here, It's Go Time is new language to you. It's probably something that you have never heard of, but if you are someone who has been part of our campus, uh, for six months or more than that, uh, chances are good that you are involved in or you have heard of It's Go Time. And so um, the reason that I wanted to take this weekend and really kind of harken back to what we talked about six months ago is actually for a few different reasons. And uh, let me just kind of give you a quick roadmap of what I'm hoping to accomplish today and really some of the reasons and objectives that I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that we can kind of see together as we think back to It's Go Time. So my hope today is first off is I just want to remind us of our It's Go Time pursuit. So for those who are part of the Grace Church family, for those of us who would say that Medina East Campus is home, I actually just want to take a minute just to kind of remind us of what it was that we talked about six months ago and, and kind of uh, just, just refresh our hearts on those things. The second thing I want to do is I want to refresh the heart that's behind It's Go Time. So as it is, a lot of times when, when you're on a pursuit together, it's easy sometimes to drift or to lose focus or to lose sight of what the heart behind that pursuit is. And so my hope is that to kind of introduce you or reintroduce you to the heart that's behind this pursuit. And then the third thing I want to do is I actually want to spend a good amount of time just reviewing and recapping for you and kind of giving you an update of some of the tangible ways that we have seen God at work uh, over the past six months, some of the things that God has been doing in and through his church here. I think that'll be an exciting thing to do as well. Let me just say too, if you're a guest with us, if it's your first time here, my hope is that this entire message today would actually be very helpful to you because I actually think it'll give you a window into what this church is about I think it'll give you a window into some of the things that we're doing together. And my hope is that you would see this as an open invitation for you to be part of what we believe God is doing at this local church here together. So let me just start by, by just at the number one, just at the top. Let me start by just reminding us of our It's Go Time pursuit. So what is It's Go Time? And uh, what, if we give you a basic definition. So in a nutshell, here's what we would say. We'd say It's Go Time is, it refers to a collective vision that our campus, that our church, that the Medina East Campus is pursuing over a three and a half year period of time. And it's how this local church, it's how our local church is working together in a unified way to pursue the Great Commission. So that's what we're saying. We're saying it's a three and a half year collective pursuit in which our church family is working together in pursuit of the Great Commission. That's what it is. Now, the Great Commission, of course, if, if, if you are, are unfamiliar with that, is a very, very famous passage in Scripture. It's found in Matthew 28, and it refers to this passage right here. This is after Jesus raises from the dead, and the Bible's gonna say that Jesus comes to his disciples, and he says to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this is what's called the Great Commission. Jesus looks at his disciples, those who follow him, and he says, I want you now to go, and I want you to make disciples of all nations. That's what's called the Great Commission. And here's what we said six months ago, and and we still believe this with our whole heart. Uh, We believe that every local church, every single local church, at any point in history and at any place in the world, has a responsibility that those who follow Jesus, we have a responsibility to, to pursue a life of obedience to this commission that Jesus has given us. And we believe that every local church, that this local church, that we have to figure out what is faithfulness and obedience to the Great Commission look like in our context, in the place and the time that we live in, we have a responsibility to pursue a life of faithfulness and obedience to the Great Commission for those of us who follow Jesus. And here's what we said in its go time. In its go time, we said that as a church family, there are four ways that we collectively want to work together to go as a church in obedience to the Great Commission. And if you were here six months ago, you might remember we said, here's kind of the the four directions or the four ways that we want to focus our collective energy in obedience to the Great Commission. So first off, we want to go to the next generation. In obedience to the Great Commission, one of the places that we want to go is to the next generation. We said we want to go to our neighbors in our own communities. We want to go to new communities. And we said collectively we want to work together to go to our world. And six months ago, uh, we actually did an entire sermon series. And if you were here, you might remember, we actually spent an entire week talking about each and every single one of these. So we spent a week on each of these. And we talked about not only the biblical conviction that lies behind that, but we also talked about our practical plans of how can we work together to pursue these things together. So we did that, and if you were here for that series, all of that culminated in something that we called a commitment weekend. Now, on commitment weekend, we asked everyone who's part of the Grace Church family, we said, would you be willing to commit in three ways? And those three commitments were a prayer commitment to pray for three people who we, we want to come to know and see and love and follow Jesus, This was a prayer commitment, an involvement commitment to be involved, to take a next step to being involved in this collective movement together. And there was a financial commitment that was a part of that as well. And so hundreds of us made those commitments together six months ago. So that's just a brief, in a nutshell, kind of reminder of what It's Go Time is all about. Or if you're new to Grace, that's kind of what what It's Go Time really is. Which leads me to the second thing. And that is that I want to take a moment and I want to refresh the heart behind that. And so really the question, the question that I want to try to help kind of give some clarity to is why. Okay, so, so that's the what. What do, we, what do we want to do? We want to go to the next generation. We want to go to new communities. We want to go to our neighbors and go to the world. But here's, here's the question, why? Right? Why do we want to do that? What is it that empowers, what is it that motivates us to want to be a church that goes in these ways? And I'll be honest with you guys, there's a lot of reasons uh, why And I think there's a lot of places you can go in the Bible that will help give clarity as to why. But there's one passage in particular that I actually just want to take you to this morning. I want to briefly take you there just to remind us of the heart behind this. And the passage I want to take you to is actually Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And if you got a Bible, I would love it if you opened up and you met me there. Um, If you didn't bring a Bible, you can actually grab one of the ones from under the chairs. Page 9 is where you're going to find Genesis chapter 12. And I want to just take you to this passage. And um, Genesis chapter 12 is actually a very, very famous passage of the Bible where we are told about the call of a guy named Abraham. It's called the call of Abraham. Uh, Now, even if you're not a Bible person, my guess is that you're probably at least somewhat familiar with Abraham. Abraham is a really, really important, uh, he's a very, very important person in the Bible. And not just in the Bible, he is a very important person in the history of the human story. My guess is you've probably heard of Abraham, right? Father Abraham. Uh, He had many sons. Uh, Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them. Some of you are like, I have no idea what's happening right now. And that's totally fine. You're probably better for it. Uh, But but Abraham is a very important person. And the reason is because he's actually known to be the father of the nation of Israel. 
Not only that, though, the Bible is actually going to say in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham is the father of our faith. For those of us who follow Jesus, uh, Abraham is the father of our faith. And his story actually begins in Genesis chapter 12. And his story begins with God coming to him and asking him to take a step of faith and promising him, he makes him a covenant uh, of, of what would happen as a result of his faith. And so here's what he says, Genesis chapter 12, only three verses, very quick. Here's what happens. The Lord said to Abram, so his name was actually Abram, and then later he changed it to Abraham. But God said to Abram, go from your country, from your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth are gonna be blessed through you. All right, now again, only three verses And there's so much that we could say about this passage. But for our time, I just want to point out one thing. And one of the things that you're going to see in this passage is that clearly an important part of God's call and God's promise to Abraham involves this idea of blessing. It's a very important part of this. In fact, you'll notice in verse two and three, five times God mentions this idea of blessing and being blessed. And and this idea of blessing shows up five times in two Verses. And you guys, here's why I point that out. Because I believe, I believe that having a proper biblical understanding of what it means to be blessed by God is what should motivate the reason that we would go to the next generation, the reason that we would go to our neighbors, the reason that we would go to new communities and go to the world, I think stems from a proper biblical understanding of what it means to be blessed by God. And I think what you're gonna see in this passage, as simple as this passage is, I think you're actually gonna see a theme that begins here and that works all throughout the rest of scripture that you're gonna see that what it means to be blessed by God actually contains two aspects. There's two dimensions of what it means to be blessed by God. Here's the first one. I think the first aspect of what it means to be blessed by God is actually revealed in the word itself. So let me just do a quick Hebrew word study for you, okay? I want the word bless that's used here is actually the Hebrew word barach, barach. And you gotta get your throat in there when you say it. So why don't you turn to your neighbor, say barach. Don't try not to spit on him or whatever. It's kind of fun to say, barach. So that's blessed. Now here's what's interesting. This is really fascinating. The word barach literally means, this is a little bit strange. It means to bend the knee or to bow down which might at first seem kind of bizarre because God says, I want to bless you, which maybe is God saying, I want, to, I want to bow to you? Is that what he's talking about? It seems kind of strange to us. But I actually think that if you, if you look at this word, how it's used throughout the rest of the Old Testament, it actually gives you a lot of clarity. So I'll just give you a couple examples. There's a place in Genesis 24 where the Bible says that there was these camels, you know, like the animal, and the Bible says that they were kneeling down. The, cam- the camels knelt down. The word that's used there it's barach, it's the same word. Um, there's also a word in the Hebrew language that's used to talk about lightning, it talks about lightning. And that word actually comes from the root word barach. It's kind of related to that. As if you stop and think about that, that might seem kind of confusing. What do those things have in common? What does lightning, what does bowing down, what do camels kneeling down have in common? But here's what it is. What all three of them have in common is they are all are describing a downward motion. It's a downward motion. It's something that comes from above and it's something that comes down low. And I think what this helps reveal to us is it actually helps us understand part of what it means to be blessed by God. I think it means this. I think part of understanding blessing, the first aspect is blessing is, let's see if I can get my my thing to work with it. You guys wanna help me out back there? Okay, it's a divine gift. It's a divine gift. And what do I mean by that? It is from above, right? It's from God and it's to you. That's the idea. It's something that comes from above and it's something that comes to you. You guys, I think this same downward motion is actually something that you see in other passages. Like, let me just show you in James. Look what James says. This is so interesting. Uh, James says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift, look at this, is from above, from above, coming down, coming down from the father of the heavenly lights. What do you see there? that it's a divine gift, something that comes from above, it's from God, it's from God, and it's to us. And you guys, I think this actually helps clarify a little bit of how we understand blessing. What does it mean to be blessed? Here's what it means. It means that you've been given a divine gift. 
And I think that that's important because what that helps us see is it helps us understand that I think in many ways, all of us are blessed. All of us are blessed. I just think about it for a minute. What is something that comes from above that comes to us? Well, one of them would be this. How about this? Our life. The life that each and, other, each and every single one of us has inside of us, that is not something that we could give to ourselves. That is not something that we could somehow earn for ourselves. No, it's something that we can steward. But our life is something that is given from God, and it's something that has been bestowed to us. I think you could actually make a pretty good case that the gifts and abilities that you have, um, those things that your intellect and the, the abilities that you, were, that you were born with. Now, you can develop those things over the course of your life, but those capacities, those were things that were gifted to you by God. They come from above. They come from God. You guys, I think you could make a really good case that Jesus Christ is the ultimate blessing. Why? Because he's from above. He came from the right hand of the Father, and he came down to us. He, he, he was the ultimate one. Salvation is something we couldn't earn for ourselves. And so God has given us, so it's a divine gift. It's a divine, it's something that, it's a divine endowment, a bestowal of something. Now, now here's the thing. I think all of us in this room would probably say, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I think all of us in this room would probably say, and you know what? I like that and I want that. I want to be a blessed person. I like the idea of God giving me a gift. I like the idea of God endowing me with something. I like that idea. But, But here's what I want you to see. I believe that if we simply stop there in our definition of blessing, if we stop there, I think we're, complete, we're incomplete. We're totally incomplete because I want you to notice that in the very same breath that God says to Abraham, I wanna bless you, look what he says. In the very same passage, he says, I wanna bless you so you'll become a blessing and that through you, the whole world is gonna be blessed. The whole world is gonna be blessed. So you see there's another dimension here. Um, I actually love it in the Hebrew language. The word for bless is barach. The word for blessing is barakah, which literally means to become a fountain of blessing. In other words, what this is saying is that blessing, to be blessed by God, yes, it's a divine gift, but I think what it reveals to us is there's also a second aspect, and that at the same time, it's also a divine responsibility. That blessing is something that God gives to us, yes, but more than, a, more than blessing just being about getting something from God, blessing is about being entrusted with something from God. Blessing is supposed to flow into us, but it's supposed to also flow out of us. It's supposed to move out of us. Or if I could put it in my own words, I might put it this way. I'd say uh, we are not blessed to be blessed. The goal of being blessed is not just to simply stop at being blessed, but instead we are blessed that we could in turn become a blessing. Like that's what you're gonna see in scripture. And you guys, I, w- I wanna tell you that you don't just see this in Genesis. This is a continual theme that you see throughout the rest of the Bible. So I'll just give you, I'll just give you two examples. I'll give you so many, but I'll just give you two examples. One is in Psalm 67. So look what it says. May God be gracious to us and bless us, there it is, and make his face shine on us. And I think a lot of us are like, I like that verse. That's a really good, some of you are like, the first time I saw that, I might wanna get that tattooed somewhere. It's a nice verse, right? But you ever read the rest of it? Because look what the rest of it says. May God be gracious and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation to all nations. So he says, bless us so that we can bless the nations. So he says. Or what about the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 9? You'll be enriched in every way. I think a lot of us like that idea. So that you can be generous on every occasion. So you guys, I think in light of this, what the, what the Bible teaches I think that those of us who follow Jesus, and I know not everyone here today maybe is a follower of Jesus. Some of you are still investigating all of that. I think for those of us who follow Christ, there's always two questions that we always need to be asking. And the first one is this. I think we need to be asking, how has God blessed us? I think it's important for us to regularly, regularly count our blessings. To say, man, how has God really, how has he blessed me? What, what kind of gifts, what kind of abilities, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of, uh, uh, resources has God entrusted me with. But I think to stop there, I think to stop there is to stop short because I think we have to follow it up with another question. That's how can our blessing become a blessing? How can I use the things that God has blessed me with to become a blessing? Yes, I think that every follower of Jesus should ask this individually. And I think every church, every group of Christians, every group of people who follow Christ should also consider these things. We should count our blessings and we should consider our blessings as well in the midst of that. And that actually leads me to the third thing. And with the rest of the message that I have, what I wanna do, you guys, is I wanna just review some of the ways that we have seen God at work. 
So, so the reason that we want to go, what motivates it, motivates us is because we believe, we believe that God has given us some measure of blessing. But we don't just want to be blessed to be blessed. We want to be blessed to become a blessing. And you guys, over the past six months, I just want to tell you, since it's go time has started, we have seen some very tangible ways that God has been at work. Now, there's a million ways that God has been at work that I'm sure we cannot see, but there's some things that we can see. And what I want to do is I just actually want to give you some updates because there's stuff that's happening in our church that maybe for some of you who are part of our campus, you don't even know that's happening. And so I want to give you a moment just that we can collectively count the blessings that God has given to us. So let me just give you some updates on these things. I'm gonna start by talking about going to the next generation. And I'm actually, just for the sake of your conscience, just so you know, I'm probably gonna spend the most time talking about this one. So once I get done with this one, if you're like, is he gonna spend that much time on all? No, probably more time on this one, all right? So let me just first talk about going to the next generation. So our heartbeat, and you guys, have, if you've been at Medina, you've heard us say this before. We believe that according to what scripture says, specifically in places like Psalm 78, we believe that the church is at her very best. The church is at her very best when every generation within the church is looking back to the next generation that's coming behind it and is investing in the next generation. We believe the church is at its best when every generation is looking and considering and pouring out into the generation that's coming behind it. So some of the ways that we have expressed that uh, would be first and foremost, uh, next generation servants. During its go time, we asked the people of our church for involvement commitments. We said, we wanna, we wanna ask you to take your next step, to raise your hand and say, put us in the game. And for some of you, you raised your hand and you said the place that we wanna be involved is with serving the next generation through our next generation ministries like Power Kids or Student Ministries or whatever that might look like. And you guys, I wanna tell you, super excited about this. Since it's go time in the past six months, we have seen 40 new volunteers who have been onboarded into Power Kids and Student Ministries. And there's an additional 30 that are still currently going through training and background checks and are prepared to be released into those spaces, which is exciting to us because that's something we desperately need as our Power Kids and our Student Ministries continue to grow. I also wanna just take a moment and talk about next generation staff, interns, and residents. So six months ago, one of the things we said is we said Power Kids, Student Ministries United are all growing ministries. And our desire is not just to beef up our volunteer teams, but it's also to add staffing and interns and residents in those spaces. So I wanna let you know that there's been some movement over the past six months in that way. I wanna introduce you to a couple of people who have been part of our team. Uh, the first one I wanna introduce you to is Hallie Crockta. Uh, some of you maybe know Hallie. Yeah, apparently you guys know Hallie. Hallie is amazing. Um, so if you guys don't know Hallie, she actually started in June as our student ministries associate manager. So she works alongside of DJ Douglas and works alongside of uh, student ministries in high school and in middle school. Uh, she's incredible. A couple fun things about Hallie. Hallie actually, her family was actually part of starting this campus 10 years ago. So we have known Hallie for a very long time. She's come up through our student ministries. Hallie is a graduate of Grace College and Grace Seminary. She has her Master's of Divinity with an emphasis on biblical languages. She's wicked smart and just incredible, incredibly late. Another fun fact about her, this last Tuesday, she was engaged. So she's been engaged. Yeah, it's awesome, exciting. And so uh, she is engaged to a strapping young lad named Curtis. And uh, he's, a, he's a great guy, and we're just so excited to have those guys. I also uh, want to introduce you to Haley. So Hallie and then Haley. So Hallie, and that doesn't get confusing in our staff meetings at all. Uh, Haley actually is also someone who's been part of our church family for a very long time. And she is currently enrolled at Grace College, and she was able to spend the summer with us as a summer intern working with Power Kids. She's actually going back this week to Grace College in Indiana, but we have been so blessed to be able to have her on the team. She's helped in tremendous ways this summer, so we've been excited to have her as well. I also want to tell you real quick about something called Discipleship 360. So some of you might remember, it was uh, six months ago, we started talking about doing something that was a brand new endeavor, something that we've never done before. It's a summer long intensive discipleship experience called Discipleship 360. So here's a description. It's an equipping intensive opportunity aimed at imparting an abiding relationship with Jesus to the next generation. So the idea is that you have a group of uh, adult coaches, young adult leaders, and young adult and high school students who are coming together for a summer-long summer intensive discipleship experience. So you guys, this began, this is actually happening right now, but it began all the way back in May. 
I want to tell you that this group of people, they have, uh, they have been active in many things. And so uh, back in May, there was an orientation week where this group came together, D day and night training sessions. They were able to do that. Uh, folks who are part of this group have been able to help at, uh, have been able to help uh, as junior, at junior camp, as junior camp counselors. They've been able to be volunteers at Bible camp. They've participated in Momentum. They've helped put on a Bible camp in Kenmore, Ohio, and they've been going through equipping division classes throughout the course of the summer. And so it's been an awesome experience of being able to work with this crew together. But that's all made possible because of its go time. Something else I want to tell you about is parent disciple making. Uh, back when we started its go time, we said that as we go to the next generation, a big part of that is that we want to we want to make sure that that starts in the home. That it starts in the home. And we said, we want to come alongside of parents to help make a spiritual investment in the lives of their kids. And we said, we want to try to help figure out how can we help, how can we equip in those ways. So in the past six months, one of the things that we had a chance to start was something called the Middle School Parent Connect. Uh, the Middle School Parent Connect was an eight-week course uh, where basically half of it was content presentation, the other half was working in, in cohorts. We were able to process through very practical things like how to navigate technology in the home, uh, things like how to navigate sexual conversations in a biblical way uh, within the culture that we live in, things like what, what does it look like to discipline your children in a way that's honoring to God and congruent with what scripture teaches, things like that. Because we were so super excited to see nearly 80 parents who were connected and who were involved in this in discipling their kids which is amazing. It's certainly something that we'll be doing again because it was, it was something that was so well received. Uh, something else I want to tell you about is camps, conferences, and retreats. Uh, many of you know, if you've been around, you guys, I know this is a lot of information, but I want you to know some of the things that are happening in the life of our church. Over the past several months, we have been able to see camps, conferences, and retreat experiences that have been available for pretty much every generation. So kids, students, and young adults. So let me tell you about a few of the things that have happened. Junior camp happened earlier this summer. Uh, junior camp is upper elementary. It happens at Beulah Beach. It's a week-long camp experience. We were able to send 46 students from our campus to this. Two leaders we were able to send, and then we were able to equip and send 10 high school counselors who were able to be part of, uh, of uh, junior camp this year. The week after that, we actually had something called Camp Carl, which is our middle school camp. Uh, this uh, is a week-long camp. We were able to send 55 students uh, who were able to be part of this. Three leaders were able to be sent to Camp Carl as well. Then right here on our home turf, we had something called Bible Camp. How many of you were able to be part of Bible Camp? I'm curious. Any Bible Camp people? It's fun. It's awesome. So Bible Camp, you guys, this was actually our biggest year ever. We had 364 kids who were able to participate in Bible Camp. 218 volunteers who were part of Bible Camp we were able to raise nearly $4,500 to help put on a Bible camp in Kenmore uh, with one of our partner churches in Kenmore, which was awesome. If you guys have never been to Bible camp, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite moments is, is during the time where they, where they give, when they're, when they're able to take the offering. It is one of the most enthusiastic, energetic, competitive, loudest offering. Like there's screaming involved. I actually am thinking we should probably try that as a church sometime. It's pretty close to that. But, uh, but it was amazing to watch how God worked uh, in those ways. And then, of course, some of you guys have heard about Momentum. Momentum is a high school, is a high school youth conference that we offer. We were able to send 47 students this year. Nine leaders were sent. It's a week-long experience at Indiana Wesleyan University. Some of you were here last week, and you got to hear a little bit of the update of just all that God has done through Momentum. It is a tremendously impactful experience for the students who get to go. And then on top of that, this last May, our young adults had a united retreat. Uh, and they were able to send 97 young adults who were able to go and spend time together there. And you guys, I just think this is amazing. If you stop and do the math on it, uh, you'll see that we, we were able to uh, provide a retreat camp conference experience for 609 people who are part of our uh, Power Kids student ministries up into United. And we were able to send, you guys get this, over 250 volunteers who were able to make that a possibility. And I think what that does to me is it communicates very loudly the commitment that we have as a church to invest in the next generation. I think a lot of you guys know camps, conferences, and retreats are where major spiritual encounters can happen, some that last the trajectory of a lifetime. And so we're so excited that we're able to see that take place over the last couple 
couple of weeks. And then on top of all of that, we also have completed our next generation spaces. So within the last six months, we have officially completed our new construction. We officially got our certificate of occupancy, which means that we can legally occupy our spaces. Not that we couldn't before, but we can now, uh, and that's really great. So that includes things like our gymnasium, things like our playground, if you haven't had a chance to see those things yet, student ministry spaces, uh, power kids spaces, new classrooms, and those kind of things. And you guys, here's what blows me away the most about this is because of the generosity of God's people, because of your generosity, we are enabled to occupy those spaces without having to take on any additional debt, which is something that I think is just amazing and mind-blowing and I'm very, very thankful for that. That's the next generation. Let me talk about going to our neighbors uh, just briefly. A couple of highlights here. Um, Really, our desire is that we wanna be a church that doesn't just exist for itself, uh, we want to be a church that exists to bless the community and the world that's around us. And so uh, we want to take Jesus' word seriously, where Jesus said that we should love the Lord God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we should love our neighbors as ourselves. And there's a few ways that we do that together. One of the ways that we do that is through something called Love Medina. Uh, if you're not familiar with Love Medina, this is something that we do every year around May. And basically what we say is we say, rather than gathering for weekend services, we scatter for weekend serving. And we get a chance to go out into our community and we serve the community that weekend together. This weekend, uh, this this, uh, last Love Medina, uh, we were able to send 887 volunteers from our church out into the community. Uh, We had five churches who jumped on board and participated with us in that. And then we were able to do 77 projects within the community. And because we did that all in one weekend which I think just speaks to what happens when we collectively work together and what, and what, what God can do through us together corporately. Uh, also, you know, you heard Tracy talk about this in the announcements, but I want to say something about the equipping division. The equipping division, if you've never been part of that, it doesn't simply exist to give you more information or to simply help you acquire more knowledge, though you get that. But the equipping division is actually designed to help equip and empower you so that you, you can take the things that God has said and you can put them into practice in your own life. And this past spring, we're really excited that we had over 100 people participate in uh, the equipping division. We offered two courses, one which is discipleship and disciple making, which we're offering again this fall. The other is what do Christians believe? And uh, super excited to see over 100 people who got connected to those courses. Um, going to new communities. So you might be asking, what's behind that? What's behind going to new communities? We might remember that that is a way of us expressing our biblical conviction that we want to be a church that sends. And so we want to be a church that is committed to planting new churches and planting new campuses and new communities where the gospel is not always clear and accessible. And so six months ago, you might remember, I had a chance to tell you a little bit about something that God was doing in our church through a couple named the Hughes, Casey and Nicole Hughes. So I want to just give you an update on this. If if you're new to them, Casey and Nicole Hughes have been part of our church family for about four and a half years. Uh, They've been faithful life group leaders. They've been faithful equipping division teachers. About six months ago, Casey had the opportunity to preach at a church in Kenmore called Goss. And as a result of that, really felt like God was opening an opportunity for him to consider what it might, what it might look like to be part of a church revitalization uh, down in Kenmore. And so talked and processed with Casey through that. You guys might remember, we actually had Casey up here. He preached. We were able to pray over him. And Casey and his family really felt like God was leading him to, to take the lead on pastoring this church in Kenmore. Well, over the past six months, I'm really excited to tell you that they have officially installed Casey as the senior pastor at that church. And actually, it's a ton of fun. They invited me to come. They said, would you be willing to come and speak that weekend? And then would you be willing to pray over Casey? And so it was awesome. I will tell you guys, Casey and Nicole and their family, they're doing an amazing job. And we are just so excited to see the work that God is starting in Kenmore and maybe even how our campus can come alongside of them as they're continuing to build that. Uh, one quick way that that happened, I mentioned to you before, Goss put on a Bible camp this summer. Uh, we were able to help them by raising some money through our Bible camp to help them. But we also were able to send a team of volunteers to, to kind of come alongside of them in that. So just to give you an update on that, I think this is fun. This was their Bible camp. It's actually a picture of their Bible camp. It's so much fun. Uh, they, uh, we went out and canvassed the neighborhood and uh, 48 kids from the community were able to come into their Bible camp over the course of a week. They had 41 volunteers, which is like a volunteer per kid, which is awesome. 
between Goss and the Medina East Campus. Volunteers came together, and uh, they culminated in a family fun night. They had 109 people who were able to come. And you guys, it's just so cool to see what God is doing and the things that he's establishing at this church uh, in Kenmore. And lastly, I wish I had more time to get into this, but I want to tell you about our world. And so uh, one of the things we believe about the Great Commission is that Jesus's vision is global. So Jesus says that we are to make disciples of all nations. And so we realize what that means is it means that we locally have a responsibility to be obedient to the Great Commission, but we can't do it alone. And so because of that, we need to partner with local and global partners who are like-minded in the Great Commission. So we have a number of local and global partners. Um, I don't have time to explain all of these, but I wish I did. But our local partners would be places like Oasis of Hope and Cups Cafe, Love Inc., Safe Families, Adoption and Fostering, uh, Fostering Family Ministries, Decision Point. Those are all local. We have missionaries like Elise Claywitter in France, Matt and Jen Daniels in Japan, uh, Dave and Sue Giles at the Encompass World Partners, Luke Peters, who is actually a local missionary with something called Decision Point. Global partners like Shoulder to Shoulder in Mazatlan, Mexico, San Yuka Children's Ministry in Uganda, Africa. And if you want to learn more about any of these, by the way, if you go to our website, there's far more information and ways to get connected and involved. But let me just give you a couple highlights on these, you guys. Uh, we have seen over the past six months, we have seen 59 new volunteers, people who have raised their hand and say, we want to help. We want to help support local and global missions in some way or another. We have seen 45 volunteers who have said, we want to come alongside and support fostering families, whether that is fostering themselves or supporting families within our church who are fostering. We have sent Turkey response teams. And by Turkey, I mean the country, not the meat. And uh, actually, uh, some of you guys have maybe heard some of this, but there's some individuals in our church, Cosman Boda, Dallas Perkowski. These are people who just had a burden on their own heart who said, you know, we really feel compelled to help. We've heard of Ukrainian refugee orphans who are in Turkey and we want to come alongside of them. They have sent several teams over the course of the last couple of months. There's actually a team that's there right now. You guys can be praying for them. They're in Turkey right now serving those, uh, the, the, those uh, Ukrainian orphans that are there. And then you guys, this one, 11% of it's go time giving. So six months ago, one of the things that we asked God's people to commit to was we asked the families of our church to commit to a three and a half year financial commitment to its go time. That's above regular giving. And we saw the generosity of God's people. We saw 320 families who are part of our church family commit to giving over $2.1 million over the course of three and a half years. And one of the things that we said is we said that 11% of whatever it is that's committed, we want to invest into our local and global partnerships. We want to invest out the doors, not to our church, but to these things. And you guys, if you do the math on that, what that means is it means that we are enabled to invest over the next three and a half years about $230,000 into our local and global partners, which is a tremendous blessing that we're able to be part of. And you guys, everything that I'm just talking to you about, I could go on and on. It, it, seriously, I have pages that I had to omit from today's conversation. I could go on and on and on, but that is just the last six months since it's go time started. And those are just some of the visible things that we are able to see. And we still have three years left in its go time. Imagine what God can continue to do if we continue to work together. And so you guys, can we just take a minute? Can we just take a minute to put our hands together and say thank you to God for some of the stuff that he's accomplishing in our church? It's awesome. It's awesome. Because you guys, here's what I believe. And even if you're someone who's new to grace, here's what I believe. I believe when you get a group of people together, when you get a group of people together who are willing to ask these two questions, how has God blessed us? And how can we use our blessing to become a blessing? I believe when you have a group of people where everyone is asking that question and we're asking that question together, that together we can make a really, really big impact. Uh, one of the things that was so cool is we had an opportunity to sit down with some families, some people from our church who are in the process of making decisions to go. And I, I thought maybe it'd be cool just to hear from them. And so Casey and Nicole Hughes, who went to Kenmore, uh, Patrick and Grace Flutie, who are recently exploring Dublin as a place to go for missions, and then Thomas Garrison, who helps serve with Discipleship 360. All of them have said, yes, we want to go. And we actually just asked them the question, Why? Why, why do you go? And I actually just want you to hear from them. So why don't we take a minute, let's watch this video together.
an interesting thing when you go to the Bible and, and look at the words of Jesus. I think an easy answer would be we're just following Jesus' commands. And uh, Jesus in Matthew 28 said, go, therefore go, and, and make disciples of all nations. And so specifically, we think our faith is a going faith where you're going and it's active. Why did we feel called to be at Goss Memorial Church? That's probably a, a big question uh, and not an easy one to answer. When we came here and visited last year, just felt an amazing connection to not only the people here, but then also the place. Um, I was raised in a similar neighborhood. And so just kind of had a, a full circle nostalgia moment where I felt an amazing connection uh, to not only the people, not only the church, but also the place, because it's very similar to the place I grew up in. Well, as a former educator who was a school leader in Akron, I have a huge heart for the children and the families of Akron. And so knowing that Goss Memorial in particular has a strong children's ministry focused on outreach immediately appealed to me. And then also that my children who are young and being discipled at home could also be discipled in this Goss ministry and disciple other children. I would say main main reason we felt called to go to Dublin is God drew us there, honestly. It wasn't on our radar. Uh, it really wasn't something that our, our church was necessarily talking about. As we were preparing to go to France and some, some parts of that fell apart due to COVID and other reasons, uh, Dublin kept coming up with Encompass and they kept talking about it. We decided, all right, we're gonna go, we're gonna do this thing. And I called Colin and I said like, hey, can I do like a, a thing for the summer? I just wanna do my first summer after I graduate college to so just like kind of devote it to the Lord in some way, shape or form. And D360 was a thing that they were developing um, and Colin asked me to come on board and I really wanted to. It was a great opportunity. And so in short, God really just answered kind of my prayers of like wanting to start that first summer in a way that I never uh, saw possible, um, but he did that. When you, when you see those amazing people in the Bible who step out on faith, um, there's a lot of just uncertainty. And, and what I believe is that when we step out on faith, ultimately we're stepping out into the unknown but we feel convicted that God has called us to a certain location in a certain place at a certain time. And so what we've seen God do is the first thing is I've seen God work through my family where we were really, I was really concerned that we would be in a place of discomfort in terms of our children and even my wife going to a new place, leaving a place of comfort at Grace Church. And what I saw immediately is that despite the circumstances, despite us leaving a place of comfort in a place that we loved, God allowed us to be comfortable almost immediately in a new space, in a space that we're very unfamiliar with. The other thing is that we believe that God has given us gifts and gifts that need to be used. And we believe that each of us has at least one. And so I think part of the calling was we, we felt that God was stirring up and building up gifts in us. We've experienced so much growth at Goss just because we've been put in places where Maybe we have little experience, but we believe God has equipped us to do certain things. And this is an amazing space for us to utilize and build those gifts up. I think just the way God's been working in our hearts has been really cool because, like I said, like we, like we, I wasn't really excited about missions, and uh, Patrick really was. And so we kind of hit some like hardships and took a break from missions. And just to see like in that time, God was like really working on my heart and working on his heart too. And so like by the time like we had the conversation about missions again, like we were both in totally different places and like weren't even talking about it. God was like individually working and we came together. We're like, wow, like there's something here because I didn't want to go. And all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, let's go. Uh, why is the call to go for all of us? Well, uh, in the Great Commission, Jesus comes to them and says, you know, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Um, therefore go and make disciples. And all we really have to do is just kind of take that step of faith and go and not be afraid and not let our fears drag us down, uh, but just know that our, that our Father in Heaven has all authority and the seen and the unseen is with us uh, to the very end of the age. I don't think we realize all over the world how little workers there are in some places. If God calls you, here to stay locally, stay here and honor him in that. But if you feel that tugging in your heart to go, especially to go globally, there's workers needed everywhere. There's the gospel needs to be spread everywhere. And God's chosen 
to use us in that process. Um, <laughs> we don't always know why, <laughs> but he's chosen to use us. And if he calls you, obey it. He'll figure out a way to get you there and he will sustain you. It's just, we, we, we heard that, we heard that Matthew 28 and we took it to heart. And so not to oversimplify it, but like scripture says, go. So we're going. Yep. Through the local church, God has planned and Jesus has planned to reach those in local communities and to transform lives by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's that urgent call that we feel entrusted with. Now at the same time, we feel empowered because Jesus said he would be with us always. But at the same time, we, we also do feel the amazing responsibility that that entails. And so there are people in Kenmore who need to be reached uh, with the gospel, who need to know Jesus. And ultimately we felt called to come here in order to fulfill that amazing call that Jesus entrusted us with. Our God is a relational God. We see the relationship in the Trinity. We see the relationship that Jesus had with the disciples here on earth. In our day-to-day -day walk with God, we experience that relationship as he interacts with us and intercedes with us. And so it just makes sense that he then calls all of us to have the opportunity, if we so desire, to be in relationship with him. And therefore, all of us are called to invite others to do that very same thing, because it is a relationship of divine love, divine purpose, and a divine opportunity to be redeemed. And therefore, it's our responsibility to be a member of the church that disciples others wherever we are, in whatever capacity the Holy Spirit leads us to. Hearing from people who have experienced the love of God, the love of Jesus, the blessing of God, and have said, how can we take the blessing that we've received and become a blessing to others? It's amazing. I asked the band to come up, and as they do, I just want to briefly say something to two audiences, and then we'll pray. Uh, let me just say first, to those of you who are part of the Medina East Campus family, if you are someone who has been connected to its go time, so if you've been committed in praying and serving and uh, in any of those ways, in giving financially, uh, can I just say this? Can I just say to you, uh, thank you. I just, I just genuinely want to say thank you. Um, and I know that you don't do those things for me. You don't do those things for a person. Uh, you do those things for God. But I do want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged because I think when you step back sometimes and you look at all the things that God is doing within our collective efforts to achieve, not one person can do these things all by themselves, but together, what God is able to do. I just want you to be encouraged by those things. And I wanna encourage you, if you're someone who's connected to its go time, with this verse right here, 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know, you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And I just want you to be encouraged with that. Whenever you step out to serve, whenever you raise your hand to be involved, whenever you use the blessing that God has given you to become a blessing, whenever you, you invest financially in something, I want you to know that, that is, for some of you, that's a big step of faith. For some of you, that's a stretch, but I want you to know it's never in vain. It is never in vain and it's never useless. And God will use those things and he will bless those things. And so I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for the fact that we can do this together. And I wanna encourage you to keep going with that. And let me just say too, to those of you maybe who would say that you are new to its go time, maybe you're not connected to its go time, maybe you're new to the church. My hope for you is that you wouldn't hear today's talk as something that like, oh, that's, that's eat neat what some of those people are doing. My hope is that you would hear this as an invitation, an invitation to join us as we as a local body try to walk in obedience to the Great Commission. So if you wanna get connected to It's Go Time, uh, I would just point you back to what we asked all of our church family to commit to, which was uh, back six months ago. I wanna invite you to pray for your three, to take your next steps and involve, involve, invest in the movement. And those are the things that our church family are doing together. So pray for your three. Pray for your three if you've never heard that before. Uh, that is a way that we ask the people of our church who follow Jesus to commit in prayer together. Praying for your three is identifying three people by name who you will pray for on a regular basis, that you will see God's transforming work happen in their life, that they might come to know and follow Jesus. Uh, some of you might remember six months ago, we had commitment weekend and we asked you to commit to praying for your three 
and we had you write the names of your three on a block of wood. So this is a bunch of block of woods. On the bottom of these blocks of wood is the names of our three that are there. We said we want to put these together in an art piece that will hang around the church, and that will be a reminder to us of the collective commitments that we made for the people that we're praying for by name. You might also remember we said that we're going to make three of these bad boys. We're going to make three of these big signs. We're going to hang them around the church. This one is completed. The other two are not yet completed. And so I want to encourage you. It's not too late to jump in. If you want to be someone who joins in the pray for your three, you can grab a block of wood at the Welcome Center, put, your, put the names of your three on the bottom, and join us in that commitment. I also want to tell you, our team also made these bracelets. These are totally free. The Pray for Your Three bracelets. And it's just a quick reminder to you to be praying for those names. Uh, I will tell you, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I don't really like wearing, um, I don't know what you call it. It's not really jewelry. I don't know what you call it. I don't like wearing stuff like this very much. So it kind of annoys me a little bit. And I'll be honest with you, I actually think that's kind of good. Because it reminds me. Every time it annoys me, I'm like, oh, I should be praying. That's right. And it's kind of a a good thing that way. So I want to encourage you to do that. So uh, pray for your three. uh, Take part in in some of these signs. The other two things are taking your next step and involving yourself in investing in the movement. And really what that's about is it's saying, basically saying, I want to raise my hand and I want to be involved. I want to take my next step to being involved in serving and using the gifts that God has given me in some way as we work together collectively. And investing is the financial commitments that we've made together. And I just want to tell you that if you want to jump in on those things, the easiest way to do that is to go out to the Welcome Center at the end of today's talk. There's a commitment envelope, a black envelope. Inside of there is instructions that are going to help you know how to take your next step and instructions on how to get involved financially. All that is online as well. We want to encourage you to do that. But the reason we do all of this, the reason that we go, is because we believe that we're blessed. We're blessed by God. And we believe that blessing is not just a divine gift, it's also a divine responsibility. We're blessed to be a blessing. Let's pray together. Well, Jesus, we want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Because you were the, you were the one who demonstrated to us a lifestyle of blessing. You yourself are, were blessed, Jesus. All the, divine, all the divine privileges belong to you. And yet you decided to use your divine blessing to become a blessing that we might be blessed. It's because of you, Jesus, that we have salvation. It's because of you that we have a right relationship with God and the forgiveness of sins and the hope of the resurrection. None of those things we could do on our own, those are all from above to us. And so, Jesus, I pray that as we follow you, help us not just to be obedient to you, help us to be like you, and that we be people who are blessed so that we can become a blessing to the world around us. I think in light of everything we talked about, the only appropriate response is to worship you. It's to worship you and to thank you and to praise you. And so I pray that right now, as we have an opportunity to sing, that in our hearts we'd worship and thank and praise you. I'm gonna ask these things in Jesus' name.